0: like that line by max locato just he was just there for his son for his children that's um that's important but it's more important too to be more than just there isn't that right it's more important than just just show up with uh you know pay the bills and uh, be an example there's much more to being a father than uh, just being there Let's, um, let's talk about fathers, and fathers, I want to encourage all of you to lead your family to God. That's what our goal is. That's what our, our charge is, is we're to lead our family to worship God. So let's go to Genesis 35. Let's look at a very unique man and his relationship with God. I find that this man is very much like me. I'm I, My life and, and how I came to know God and how I he wrestled with God, and I did too as well. I think most men do at some point. In Genesis 35, beginning in verse 1, then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in my day of need, in my day of distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had, and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the, at, the oak, at the oak at Shechem. And then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you. We're very grateful and thank you, thankful for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Father, for the common grace of uh, life to live every day. We thank you, Father, for um, just the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear. We thank you, Father, for a, a house and a place to live. We thank you, Father, for family, for fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. And we thank you, Father, for being our Father on earth, not just the Father in heaven but also here on earth. We thank you, God, that you have led us to be into your family, into, into your family, to be part of your, your body here. And, God, I just thank you, Lord, for these men who uh, who are godly men. And I pray that you'll bless them and their families and their children and their grandchildren and so on and every generation until you come back. You will bless them with salvation, with your provision, and with your love and mercy and grace. Father, today as I speak about men and fathers, I pray you would guide and direct my thoughts. I pray also you would guide and direct every person's thoughts right here in this place now, that you would guide and direct us to your throne, that you you would speak in such a way through me and through your word and spirit that they would hear you and they would be paying attention to you. I pray this for your glory, Father. I pray this for all of our own good as well. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Thank you for saying amen. All right. Good deal. Father's Day. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ann and I are new grandparents. Yeah, we um, yeah, we became grandparents uh, Friday night about 11.30, 11.36, to a 6-pound, 13-ounce little girl named Harper Maxine. Yeah, Harper Maxine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Connor is a new daddy. I'm a new grandpa, again, for the third time, and um, it's a, it's a unique journey we're on, isn't it? Being a grandparent, it's really kind of weird in some ways. Kind of, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, especially when they're little. You know, uh, It's a lot of fun. We get to sugar them up and send them home. We like that. Father's Day is a day to remember the men in your life who have been a godly influence in the life of your family and your life, and also in society as a whole. We need more godly men. I think more Christian men need, just need to be Christian men publicly and own their Christianity in public without bragging, but just be open about it. I think our culture needs to see Christian men being Christian men today. And uh, it began with a memorial service for 250 men who were killed in a mining accident in 1907. That's when they had a first memorial for men. Uh, 250 men died. 250 families probably lost a husband, a father, grandfather, uncle, whatever. Um, It was proposed by Sonora Dodd of Spokane, Washington in 1909 to become a a national holiday, but it was rejected by Congress. It became a national holiday when Richard Nixon signed it into law in 1972. So even politicians can come up and do something right once in a while, right? Yeah. And so now we celebrate Father's Day every third Sunday in June of the year. And we try to remember the men who have been good and, and kind to us. And also, as guys, we try to grow in our own walk with God, right? We try to grow in our own relationship with God to be that, that uh, faithful person, that faithful father and husband that we need to be. I chose Jacob as my example this morning for a father because he's not one of the more exemplary men in the, in the Old Testament. In, in, the, in the Bible, as a matter of fact, his name Jacob in Hebrew means cheater. He's a cheater. Huh. He, he, I mean, he was a cheater. If you know how he cheated his brother out of his birthright and his blessing. Uh, he was a cheater, at least for part of his life, until he, he began this relationship with God. Now, guys, I'm not saying that any of you are cheaters, okay? I'm not saying any of you are cheaters, but I but if we're honest, guys, we have to admit we have all fallen short of the glory of God. is that true? Amen? That's right. We've all fallen short. Just ask our wives. They'll tell you right away. Yeah. A doctor took a patient's wife off the side one time. They'd been in the emergency room. They went and got checked into a room, and He was being there treated for something really dramatic, and he took her off to the side, and he goes, ma'am, I I hate to say this, but uh, your husband doesn't look very good. And she goes, yeah, I I know. I don't think he looks very good either, but after all, he is a good father. So sometimes, (laughs) yeah, that was one of my bad, my worst jokes. Sometimes even godly men weaken in their faith. We need to understand that. We all weaken in our faith at some some point. Sometimes we get angry guys get kind of angry at something something bothers us sometimes we ignore our families sometimes we don't think about the needs of our loved ones as we should so ladies just forgive us we're men we really uh, that's how we are we're trying to do better i think for the most part we are trying to do better so help us out there so guys that's why it's important for you to listen to god point number one on this more on this morning's outline fathers listen to god when he speaks This is very important. Fathers need to listen to God when he speaks. Look at verse 1 in chapter 35 again. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Fathers, listen to God when he speaks. And I guarantee you he will speak to you more than you realize. He speaks more than we understand sometimes. God spoke to Jacob and gave him some very definite definitive instructions, things God wanted Jacob to do. And he's going to do this for us. He does this for us all the time. If we're paying attention. Did God speak in an audible voice? Did he speak in an in a, in a earthly, audible kind of voice? Or did he speak to Jacob's heart and mind? The Bible doesn't say exactly. doesn't tell us exactly how all that works out. But what r- verse 1 does say is this. God said to Jacob, let's go up to Bethel. He spoke to Jacob. Now, a study of the Old Testament seems to show that God communicated with people then in a different way than he does today. It seems like God spoke to people like Adam, Job, Noah, Abraham, and Jacob in a personal, direct, audible way. It seems like they had that kind of, of relationship back then that we don't have today. I've never experienced God speaking audibly. I've never heard him with my earthly ears. I don't know if you have, but I've never had him do that. But at different times of my life, I have heard him speak to my heart and to my spirit. And I think that's true for most Christians, men and women. God speaks to us mostly today by the spirit. See, what, what does Paul say? Paul says that we walk by faith and not by sight. That was true in the Old Testament as well. And that's really true today. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. We can't see God. We can't hear God with these ears, even with hearing aids. We have to let God speak to our hearts and our spirits. So it's up to each and every one of us to develop a relationship with God so that we become sensitive to His Spirit's voice. This is especially true for men. We tend, we men, we tend to be very singular focused creatures. Isn't that true, guys? We get focused on one thing, one or, one or one or two things. I'm not making excuses, but men can be deaf and blind at times especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Don't answer this question in any way. Think about this, though. Ask yourselves, how many of you read the Bible at least once this week? Think about that question. How many of you have prayed this week? And I mean more than a mealtime prayer. I mean serious, get on your knees, pray. Sit in your truck, pray. Something like that. Go off by yourself and pray. How many guys, are, how many of us are doing this, these things? Now, men, I'm glad you're here. We need more men in this church to be here on Sundays. We need more men to be involved and to be involved in a relationship with God. But don't just come to church on Sunday mornings. Come to Bible studies. Lead lead a Bible study. But above all, everything else, above all else, listen to God when he speaks to you. I guarantee you he is. And then when he does speak and you hear him, do what he says to do. James 1, verse 22, the Bible says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. When God speaks, we're to do what He says. That's what Jacob's example is right here, and the example of your life leads your family more than you probably realize, guys. Are you paying attention? Are you listening? Are you trying to do your part in the in the family relationship? Are you living up to your to your to the expectations of a father of a husband? Make your relationship with God a part of your life, a big part, and listen to God when He speaks. You need to. Number two, fathers, help your family seek God. Help your family to seek God. I think this is incredibly important. Look at verse 2 and 3 with me. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in my day of distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. Fathers, help your families to seek God. Not only did Jacob listen to God and do what God said, he said to everybody in his household, his wives. He had multiple wives. It's not biblical, but it's what God allowed him to do. His children, he said this to his children. He said this to his servants. So he says this to his entire household. In verse 3, come, let us together go to Bethel. But more importantly, he also helped his family begin to see God. For themselves. Look at verse 2 again. He says, So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Jacob told everyone in his household there's three things you got to do to see God. And this is true for you and I today as well, men and women. But fathers, listen to this. Number one, get rid of the foreign gods you have. Men, to see God, you have to get rid of anything and everything that comes between you and God you got to get rid of all the junk in your life that interferes with you and a relationship with God. And, young boys, this is true for you. When you grow up, as you're growing up right now, you need to be getting rid of anything that comes between you and God. You can't just have all this junk that wants your time, that wants your attention. God wants your time and attention as well. You can still have interests. You can still have hobbies. But don't let anything interfere with your relationship with God. Isn't that true, guys? Amen. Ladies, it's true for you too, right? Yeah. Number two, he said, purify yourselves. We should want to be spiritually clean as we begin to seek God. As we respond to God, as he draws us and we seek him, we should be realized we, we need to be spiritually clean. For Jacob, this meant dealing with the sin of his sons. His sons had committed a great crime, a great sin in the town of Shechem. They killed everybody, everybody in that town. Because that's where their, where their sister Dinah was raped. So they went back in there and they wiped out that entire town. Every man, woman, and child they killed in anger and revenge. That's a terrible sin. And Jacob's saying, look, you've got to purify yourself. If you really want to seek God, you've got to purify yourself. And he says, number three, and the third thing is says, change your clothes. This, this might seem kind of strange. But think about this. After those boys had killed everybody in that town, they would have had blood all over them. A sign of their sin. Uh, that's what blood is. It's a sign of sin. And what washes away sin for us today? It's the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. He says, no, you've got to get rid of all this, all your clothes. You've got to change your clothes. And they would have touched dead bodies because they looted the town and took whatever they wanted. Until we become convicted of our sin, we won't see God. That's a problem in our culture today. That's what's going on all around us today in Lawrence and in Kansas and America. Is people aren't being convicted of their sin, they're being told that sin is actually a good thing. And they aren't being told that you've got to start seeking God. And they need to hear this. Jacob was calling his family to seek God with him. He was leading his family to worship. And men, we need you to do that today. We need to see more men leading their families to worship today. Mothers do a great job at this. I remember when, before I was a believer, we had Katie, and Anna would take Katie to church on Sundays. I wouldn't go for a long time. And then I started to go, and then I I heard God speak. And I became a believer. I I turned my life over to Christ. But I had to get rid of a lot of things that in my life have interfered with me in a relationship with God. I had to change my spiritual clothes in a sense. And and become clean. Seek to be clean. I'm still seeking to be clean. Even today, we all are. And then I began to try to lead my family to worship. And together, Anna and I did that. I realized I needed Anna to help me do that, and she needed me to do that as well. We're seeing, guys, we're not in this alone, are we? No. But we have to still lead. We have to be humble servant leaders. And men, God has promised, if you will seek Him, and if you'll help your family seek Him, you and they will find him. God has promised us this. Meaning God will reveal himself to you and to them as well, just as he said he would in, Je- in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, God doesn't want just part of you. He just doesn't want the Sunday part of you. He wants the whole thing. He wants all your heart. And he says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. can't be half-hearted in this thing called Christianity. We've got to be all in. In 2 Chronicles 15, verse 1 and 2, we're we're given this great warning. There's a warning in there. It says, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. This is a prophet speaking to a king of the nation of Israel. And the Lord said, he said, the Lord is with you when you are with him. So that's great news, right? If we're with the Lord, the Lord's with us, right? Right? Yeah. He will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's the bad news, isn't it? So we got to seek him. we got to want him to be with us. We want to find him because he wants us to find him, and he will reveal himself to us. The importance of seeking God cannot be overstated. This is an active faith we're in. and We're not active enough, I'm afraid, at times. Your creator wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He's calling you to seek him. And he's promised to reveal himself, if you will. And you're here not by mistake. You're here on purpose. God's brought you here. God's made sure that you are here this morning at this time to hear from him. Not to hear me because I'm not very glib or I'm not very uh, a great speaker or anything like that. You're here to hear from God in our time of worship. He wants to reveal himself to you. So seeking fathers number three, let God work in your life. I don't think men we do this enough. Let God work in your life. Look at verse three again. Then come let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress, and who's been with me wherever I've gone. Jacob got to experience God working in his life. I hope you have too. We tend to put God in the hereafter, don't we? In the sweet by and by. When we all cross that river. We tend to to put God elsewhere. We don't tend to put God right now in our lives today. But the Bible tells us that someday when our lives on earth is over, we are going to go meet God. That's true. And we're going to be accepted, rejected by God for how we responded to Jesus, his son. But God doesn't want to wait until heaven to work in your life. He wants to be active in your life right now. Today. He wants to be with you now. So let God work in your life. Seek God's working in your life. Ask him to work in your life. And that's what Jacob told his family to do. That's what he told them that they needed to do. And that's why he told them what God had done in his life. He answered me in the day of my distress. He's been with me wherever I've gone. You know, your family probably needs to hear that. That's a testimony. Did you know that? He's telling them that he's been through distressful times and that God was with him. And wherever he went, God was always there. That's part of his testimony. He's telling his, his family how worthy God is and how much God has been in his life and how much God has done for him. Guys, I think we need to tell our families more of that. I honestly do. David says something about God being with him in his life, too. And it's very practical. It's also very powerful. Listen to it. It's found in 2 Samuel 22, verse 29. He, he's speaking to God and he says, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against any troop. With my God, I can scale any wall. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, look, God, if you're with me, I can I can overcome anything. I can do anything. David said God lit up his life. Let me ask you, what's, what does darkness symbolize? It symbolizes being alone. It symbolizes being by yourself in the darkness with no guidance, with no light to shine the way. David said no one could defeat him because God was always there. He, he said there was no obstacle God could not overcome for him. There was nothing big enough in this world to hold him back if God was with him. That's what it means to have God in your life. That's what it means. Have you experienced him that way? I hope you have. If you haven't, I hope you do before you die. Because a little God is not much of a God, is he? No. They gave Jacob, in response to all of this, all the foreign gods they had. Verse 4, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in her ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem, and then they set out. And the terror of God fell upon all the towns around them, so that no one pursued them. They gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had. These would have been little idols, little figurines that they would have worshipped in a way. They would have burned incense too, or something like that. And the rings that they had in their ears, those would have been good luck charms, amulets that would have warded off evil spirits. Do you know today in the world that there are people who still wear amulets to ward off evil spirits? When I went to Turkey, they one of the things they sold people over there. They sold their own people, but I bought some. Where it's called the little, there were it was a string of them called the evil eye. It was a bead with an eye on it, and they really believed that if they wore those beads of evil eyes that they would ward off evil spirits, demons. They still believe that. Did you know, by the way, that demons are real? That they really, truly uh, attack people? That they are agents of Satan? There's no amulet that's going to protect you from them. They're simply just the Holy Spirit. They're simply just Jesus Christ and himself only. So Jacob took all those ungodly items, those little idols, And he took all those little rings, those earrings, and he buried them under an oak tree at Shechem, a place of great sin. And he buried them there at that tree, and he left them behind, symbolizing the people's commitment to God and only to God. See, that we have to leave things behind. When we step into this relationship with God, we have to leave something behind. That's our sin. That's our old life that we've lived. And then we have to trust God to work in our lives each and every day. Some people don't believe God works in the lives of His people in this world. They don't believe God is active in this world anymore, but they're wrong. He always has acted in, in, on behalf of His people in this world. He's protected. He's provided. He's blessed. Ben Franklin once said this. He said, "The longer I live, the more convincing truths I, I'm sorry, the convincing proofs I see of the truth that God governs in the affairs of man." Here was Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers, who was not really a Christian. He was more of a deist. He believed in God, but he didn't really wasn't sure about Jesus. But he really did believe in God. So he was, he was, he was what Kinsol called a deist. Which isn't Christian, which is not Christianity, it's just believing in God. But he did believe that God works in this world. That God hadn't abandoned this world, the people of this life. I hope you don't feel that way. I hope you feel that God's Able to help do something in your life. Something like David. Light up your world. Light up the darkness of your world. Help you overcome obstacles. Help you defeat enemies. Whatever. I believe God will do that if you ask Him to. And number four, fathers, lead your families to worship God. Man, we need to be doing this more. Look at verse six. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There they built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel. Jacob had been at Bethel before, years before, many years before, before he met Rachel and Leah, his wife, before he began to have children. He met God at Bethel. He saw God standing at the entrance of heaven, and he heard God say that he would be with Jacob wherever he went. He heard that great promise from God himself. You can really believe it when you hear it from God. Amen? Yeah. And Jacob believed God with such certainty, he made this pledge to God. In Genesis 28, 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. He said, God, if you go with me and you provide for my needs, you take care of me, you're going to be my God. I'm going to stick to you. And Jacob did for the rest of his life. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man changed and shaped by God. And so he returned to Bethel and he led his family to worship God with him there. Look at verse 7. He built an altar and he called the place El Bethel, house of God, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. He was fleeing from his brother because he cheated his brother, and his brother was so angry he wanted to kill him. Now, they're not Irish, they're Jewish. But Irish brothers are kind of like this in some ways as well. And maybe the ethnic group you come out of, maybe they're, the guys are that way too, I don't know. We get angry and we sin. What do we do with that sin? We have to give it to God. We have to give it and place it to God. Let Him bury it at the foot of the cross and wash us clean with the blood of the Lamb. Let me ask you guys, fathers, anyone here today, are you seeking God when you're unsure about what to do and where to go? When God speaks, do you listen? Are you listening for God's voice? And are you leading your family to seek God for themselves? Don't try to be God for them. Seek them to see, to help them to seek God for themselves. If you answered no to any of those questions, then start today. Start today as we have our time of uh, invitation where we ask people to make a commitment to God. Our invitation song today is Find Us Faithful. May all who come behind us find us us faithful. Amen. That's a great song for today, I think. Let's stand and sing. Maybe God's speaking to you, man or woman, boy or girl, whoever. Maybe God is...